Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peace. Here on a Minor Detail podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. Tonight, today, rather, is Monday. It is November. We've made it to this month. And for all you Scorpios out there like myself, uh, we have birthdays. Mine just so happens to be in the middle of the month on November 14th. And I will be 34 years old. So, yes, all at once you can wish me a happy birthday. Um, my guest tonight is not is, is no, no older than three years than me, and I feel way underaccomplished. My guest is Salisbury Mayor Jake Day, who is on the eve of an election for his second term as mayor of the city of Salisbury, the renaissance, so to speak, of this great American city. Mayor Day, welcome back to a Minor Detail podcast. Brian Minor, I'll tell you what, it is an honor. And every time <laughs> I get to speak to you and every time I get to be on your show, I'm just, just so honored. And, you know, I just realized I, I've got quite a few Scorpios in my life. Uh, my, oh. my brother, my dad, and my three-year-old daughter who turned three today. Well, happy birthday to your three-year-old daughter. I see the pictures all over Facebook and – Man, she is uh that's something. It's um she's beautiful and she looks like she's innocent. That's the perfect age. And um, you know, I'm 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 thinking that when uh you know, I'm thinking a, a good birthday gift for her would be for her dad to win re election tomorrow. <laughs> she likes you to think that she's innocent, but let me tell you what, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Olivia's got a she's got a little twinkle in her eyes. She knows what she's up to, knows how to twist Daddy around her finger. Oh, I'm sh- oh, yeah, I know, I know how that goes. Um, Mayor, <laughs> it's always an honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks, thanks for joining me. You're running for re-election. Um, you've been involved with local government for what about six and a half years now, and you That's are right. seeking a second term, and they're four-year terms, I believe. And so you yeah. and your your council are will be on the ballot tomorrow, and your voting I saw is from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. And so here we are. It's almost a year out until a presidential election, but I think it's nice to have these municipal elections on off years because you hopefully you get more focus on these big important issues. My city of Gaithersburg tomorrow is heading to. Uh, the ballot box, and I'm going to the polls early tomorrow. And of course, you know, your uh, one of my friends and my city councilman, uh, Ryan Spiegel, who is president of MML, one of your my colleagues. President. That's correct. That's right. Yes. 
and and we're right. uh, we're very excited. I'm sure he'll be reelected, and uh, uh, I imagine um, you know he's uh, he, he and several of his colleagues are I hope will be reelected. And, uh, they've got quite a team there. They uh, the Maryland Municipal League Board of Directors held their retreat in Gaithersburg recently. I was uh, I was there. I just joined the board as a vice president, and uh, I learned a lot about Gaithersburg and uh, the new downtown ground development. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the uh, uh, new changes that are coming to Gaithersburg. I mean, it sounds like a lot of very exciting things happening there. Well, Mayor, when you get back to downtown Crown, there's uh, a, an excellent restaurant that Kim and I, we love to go to. It's called Coastal Flats, and it's right on the corner in sort of like the, the actual downtown Crown portion. And it's a planned community. It's a nice development, uh, one of our favorite spots. So when you and your wife come up to Gaithersburg, We'll have to sit down over some dinner and uh, and then explore the the downtown Crown area, and we'll take you all around. So that's my promise to you when you you make it over to the. Uh, um, uh, look, Lower Shore is a great place, but I'm take you come on. on. Yeah, seriously, you got to come over. All right, so Mayor, you're heading into reelection, and this yeah. year in particular, um, you've had a lot to talk about. So much so, in fact, you gave the state of this. State of the city address, and you you really emphasized economic development. You talked about your city's infrastructure, talked about pride in the city, and some of your accomplishments. And I'm looking at what you have been able to accomplish alongside your council, because it's a obviously a collective operation. It's a team effort, yes. and any municipality. And Jake, you talk about. Uh, having served four years, added 2,700 jobs, $200 million in real estate development. The city has reached record low unemployment. You've built some new family homes. You're, you've reduced crime, and you are – the opioid overdoses are really declining, I see, according to this, uh, the data. And you've created some permanent housing um, and, of course, the National Folk Festival – Obviously, a huge, the biggest event for the the city, the biggest economic driver. And on top of that, Jake, you've been endorsed not only by Governor Hogan, but by U.S. Senator Ben Cardin and Chris Van Hollen. You received the police officers endorsement, the firefighters endorsement, the realtors. And so people are calling the job that you and the council have done over the last four years really as a renaissance, and that's, that's really a, uh, an interesting word, and it means that you are regrouping, you're restructuring, and it's a rebirth, so to speak, of a city that once kind of lagged behind, I, I think fairly to say, and um, with some innovation and some forward thinking, you and your council have been able to prove that municipal government is a lot cooler than what it sounds. So why don't you talk about how you're feeling going into this election and your thoughts, just general thoughts on um, what what your outcome, you know, your expected outcome might be tomorrow. Well, I'm so glad that you said that municipal government is a lot cooler than it sounds because <laughs> I, I think that's the story. It's that, um, and, and we see this a little bit on the national level right now. With uh, you know, we've had a number of mayors running for national office and who have taken this message of. Of the responsibility of of civic leaders at the municipal level, um, and and how we've got to govern uh, 
you know, in a, in a nonpartisan or at least in a, in a uniting fashion. Um, you look at, uh, you look at what that message is versus what the message that we see coming out of Washington today is. And it's, it's one that is about government working for people in functioning ways. Um, as I think it was, I can't remember if it was Mayor Buttigieg or Mayor Booker, whoever it might have been, Senator Booker, whoever the former mayor, whoever it was, said at the recent U.S. Conference of Mayors event when they spoke, they said, there isn't a Republican or a Democratic way to pick up your trash or put out a fire. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all got a responsibility to provide basic services to people in a competent fashion. And at the municipal level, um, it, it becomes truly ridiculous um, to have deeply partisan debates when at the end of the day, you're trying to enable businesses to grow. You're trying to uh, get government focused on a uh, trajectory that helps the most possible people. You're trying to uh, uh, allow for development to happen and to create an environment where people want to invest and where people can do better once they invest. Those are the things that uh, local government can do. Now, that's not always what local government does, and so we can get a bad rap for uh, fighting with one another, bickering, um, you know, divisiveness. But, um, but I think what we've been able to do in Salisbury over the last few years is represent and, – and this is – I hope this doesn't sound egotistical because, believe me, this is not just me. This is a, a lot of people, but represent the best of what a community can do when it gets past some of the – the emotional, um, political nonsense and just says, no, we, we deserve better. And when we're united, when we're aimed in the same direction, we can achieve better. Um, it wasn't that long ago that in Salisbury, we were at each other's throats. And again, we see it in Washington. And I'll tell you, you asked how I'm feeling going into tomorrow. I've got an opponent who has tried to uh, replicate um, what is happening in Washington? Uh, he says he's going to be the Trump of Salisbury, and I'd like to think that tomorrow we we prove that our community has rejected that as a viable uh, municipal or local um, uh, uh, type of rhetoric. Uh, Jake, your opponent Wayne King, who has a tan like I've never seen before in a man, um, is um, <laughs> his occupation, of course, is a former business over. For 20 years, I believe he's somewhat new to the Salisbury community, and he talks about running and having moved there, and he talks about running um, on a couple of different issues, crime, the economy, and transparency and homeless, certainly not far into a a local city government. But what I have seen over the last couple of weeks just following the race at a distance is that you you bring up a salient point that it it appears that you're – uh, your opponent, Mr. King, is uh, is, is attempting to um, I- encourage divisiveness in the process, or at least tries is is attempting to try to separate himself from from you in an especially divisive way, using what I see is angry rhetoric and to to be blunt, just not having necessarily all the facts. And again, I'm following this election yeah. from afar. And I can yeah. only I can only pick apart the race by stories and by actually by his own words. But I am somewhat disappointed. Well, not somewhat. I would disqualify. I am disappointed to see some Facebook postings where 
even he's touched on some racial issues. And I think yeah. that municipal governments should really have to set the pace for even the, the county and, and state government that um, you have to handle these issues with delicacy. And, you know, Jake, it's a diverse community in Salisbury. Um, you're not the mayor of just Republicans. You're the mayor of Democrats, Republicans. It, and again, I see municipal government yeah. as totally nonpartisan. I see municipal government as something that uh, is the government closest to the people and has real no, no real bearing whatsoever on someone's personal politics. And for someone to inject the national – sort of this, this you know, national politics are so polarized today, and for someone that, to bring that back into the community, it just seems like a disservice. And maybe, Jake, um, I, I, I hate to have you respond without your opponent being on the show, but I didn't invite him on because, um, sure. quite frankly, I just I, – I, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in hearing about the positive things that, that have occurred. But nonetheless, do you want to answer or respond to any, I guess, criticisms that he's lobbed at you? And I've seen some of it, um, like I said, from a distance. But nonetheless, going into this election, I'm sure um, you, you've, faced, <laughs> you've faced some interesting criticisms. And really, most of it has yeah. been disproven by a, a basic – just basically looking up facts. Well, well, Ryan, none of us is immune to criticisms, and you can't not. amount four, four years of governing a city uh, in a strong mayor form of government. You know, you can't amount a body of work um, where you've actually gotten things done without having angered some people, uh, without yeah. having made decisions that were counter to what some people wanted, and without um, – alienating some folks who uh, felt like their idea didn't get implemented and either an alternative that they didn't prefer or, you know, in some cases, the opposite of what they wanted happened. Um, and, and that's just, that's just fact. And that's something I accept. It's, it's not what I want. Um, but I've certainly realized that you can't, uh, you can't achieve what a community needs by, trying to appease everyone and trying to break no eggs. Um, so, so we've, we've gotten a lot done and I recognize that there's legitimate conversation to be had about um, policy issues and, you know, Hey, we, you know, we think mayor, you should have done this or you should have done that. And I would have done this and I, or, or that, but to, to approach it from such a, a place of anger and, um, and, uh, uh Unwillingness to accept, uh, you know, evidence and unwillingness to accept objective fact um, is is problematic. And you know, I'm, I'm standing in a I'm standing in a house right now filled with um, folks on my campaign team who are working on uh, the final push for tomorrow, and you know they're all in another room now. But every single one of them is. You know, working and fighting for the same cause for their community and waving at us right now, <laughs> the same cause for their community <laughs> that, that I have been for four years and or for six and a half years. And, you know, here we have someone who has come to our community in the last two years or so. And, and the, the greatest challenge we face is not articulating the differences between us or, um, or defending against attacks, it's it's responding to an unwillingness to accept um, 
third-party agreed-upon objective fact. You know, if if the FBI says in our uniform crime report that crime is down 43% in 10 years, in, in a normal year, in a normal debate, um, both sides would say, that's good, but I can do better, uh, and here's how I'll do better. Or that's good enough, and we're doing the right thing, and we're on the right track. And those would be the two uh, those would be the two narratives that we would uh, have before us. But instead we have a, no, I believe they're all lying. We believe who's lying? The FBI, the, the mayor, the police chief, the officers filling out the crime reports. I mean, what what is it that you're saying? And so that's that's the kind of dynamic that we're in today. And I think, Ryan, that's it's not too distant from what we're seeing out of Washington. And that's unfortunate because it's a playbook or – uh, at least a model that's been set forth for people to follow. And we started off this conversation talking about the value of an off-year election for municipal elections. And, and the idea behind it is make it nonpartisan. Get away from national influence. Don't make it so that people vote down a, a party line uh, and get down to the municipal uh, uh, candidates and vote based on party rather than based on the way that they might serve their community and the ideas they have for their community. That's the whole idea behind an off-year election for municipalities. And yet here we see that the playbook has even bridged across that particular divide. So it's concerning. Um, I do think we will, as a community, Salisbury will say, no, no, we're not going to accept that. I think that's going to happen tomorrow, but I, I hope it goes beyond that. And I hope it's something that we don't accept in Maryland. We don't accept in other municipalities. I mean, We've got elections in, in, in Bowie and College Park and Gaithersburg and Rockville and around the state tomorrow. So we've got to pay attention to all of those races. Absolutely, Jake. Uh, I, I want to point out um, a couple of uh, big-ticket items occurring during yourself and the council's term over the last four years. And one, of course, Salisbury is synonymous with Purdue. It's a company we all know as Marylanders, and – we, they abandoned their plan they, to relocate several hundred employees um, of executive jobs over to Delaware, which is pretty much your neighbor. You drive right up the street, you're in Delaware. And in fact, I, was, I stayed in Salisbury during the MAKO conference, and I was trying to you'll, – you'll think this is funny. I was trying to find a, a gym to work out at. And well, oh, this is perfect opportunity for for to tell this story. So I was trying to find a gym, and I somehow ended up in Delaware in in the morning. Like I drove past Walmart, and then I'm like, why am I in Delaware? And I remembered, oh man, I'm so close. So then I found a the Planet Fitness, and um, there was a whole debacle with me like wanting to test out the gym, and so. I was like, well, maybe I'll just name drop Jape Day's name to this nice manager lady who really didn't want to let me in. And so I was like, oh, by the way, do you know Jake Day? And she's like, oh, yeah, we like Jake. And I was like, yeah. I was like, so what do you think about me working out here? And, and so it was, uh, it was a win-win. And I think you have some friends over at the Salisbury Planet Fitness. And I would encourage anybody who wants to, to get healthy or at least maintain their their health and fitness, please work out at the Salisbury um, uh, uh, Planet Fitness. So, Jake, the obviously Purdue choosing to stay and keep their jobs in Salisbury, that's huge. I mean, look, think about what would have happened if 
they had left. That would be devastating for many Salisbury families, of course. Yeah, Ryan. Well, first of all, obviously, um, by that story, you'd get the impression that I spend a lot of time in the Salisbury Planet Fitness. And <laughs> the truth is, I should probably spend more time in Salisbury Planet Fitness. Um, but uh, I'm glad that that moment worked out for you. I was glad when I first heard that 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 moment worked out for you. Um, but I will also say this: uh, full disclosure uh, for your listeners that don't know, um, I happen to, uh, you know, have my father is the CEO of Purdue. Um, you know, Purdue is a, a big employer. It's the the third largest employer in Wicomico County, but it's the the largest company headquartered in Salisbury and on the Delmarva Peninsula, a $10 billion a year company, a a big company, and um, certainly important to our economy. Um, You know, they've got 22,000 associates globally and, um, you know, an important part of the agricultural uh, 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 part of our economy on the peninsula and on Maryland's Eastern shore and in Maryland in general. But I want to be clear that, you know, one, that's not a job he's always had. He's worked there for 40 years, but, uh, you know, he didn't rise to that particular position until about a year ago. And two, uh, and by the way, that's certainly not because he's related to the mayor. Um, and, and two, um, you know, anyone who thinks that, by the way, doesn't realize how uh, uh, little power there is that the mayor of Salisbury has. But but two, um you know, there are some there are some things that sort of are verboten at Sunday dinner, you know, in the family. And, um, you know, we're not sitting there strategizing or even discussing uh, Purdue's location decision making. You know, there is a, there is a board and there are leaders of that company that have business decisions to make. And as much as they might love a community and as much as they might, uh, you know, support uh, local elected officials, they're not going to make bad business decisions on that basis. And there are a couple things that have been sort of uh, open secrets for a long time in Salisbury. And one of them is that Salisbury is not a great place to do business because the government wasn't business friendly. And that that's been a decades long uh, 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 issue that we have had or or a perception that we have had to fight against. Um, Some of it earned, uh, some of it not, uh, but but truly, what you earned get an, gets amplified. You know what I mean. And the, and the second piece of that, the other side of that, is that um, that the greatest threat to Salisbury was that Purdue would one day leave. And there were two sort of factors in that. One was that the first piece that oh, Salisbury is not a great place to do business. We're not welcoming to businesses, et cetera. And two is Maryland's relationship to poultry. Uh, business, you know, poultry and, and ag in general. Um, and as you can imagine, Maryland, uh, East, uh, Maryland's Eastern Shore uh, is very ag-centric. Um, Maryland's political leadership generally comes from uh, the uh, more democratic uh, and, and higher density um, urban port- parts of our state. And so there is a tension there. And so it has actually been openly said at times in Chamber of Commerce meetings and and public discussions around Salisbury by Purdue leaders that, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't be in Maryland and or maybe, in fact, we won't be in Maryland for the long run. So this this notion that uh, Purdue agribusiness, which now represents about half of Purdue's uh, uh, total corporate earnings, 
would break off and move to Delaware was at first threat, but became very real under Governor Carney and um, this, uh, excuse me, under Governor Markell. And um, this threat uh, became very, very real. And Purdue said, we're moving to Seaford. They had a press conference on the Seaford waterfront and announced it. And then later uh, shifted based on, I think, some feedback from their employees to be closer to Salisbury, just over the line. Don't forget that we're a border community um, to Del Mar, Delaware. And finally, they made an announcement recently that they were going to remain in Salisbury. And obviously, we're supportive of that. I think Delaware's challenges, Delaware's problems played as much a factor as our recruitment. Uh, you know, believe me, we recruit and we recruit and we try to retain. We try very hard to ensure that every one of our companies stays here and uh, to defend against all of the recruitment efforts from everywhere else in America that wants our companies. So um, we've done the same with Purdue. And uh, I think uh, we have achieved a tremendous victory by getting Purdue to announce that they are, in fact, not leaving for Delaware, and they are going to stay in Salisbury. So, yeah, we're proud of that, and um, it took a lot of work, but this is not thanks to my personal relationship there. This is truly thanks to uh, Salisbury's overall story and, in part, Delaware's uh, missed opportunity. Jake, I want to talk now about the downtown restructuring, about the really the urban core of the city. A lot of changes in the last few years, and I think changes for the positive. You, you and the council have focused efforts and funds on redeveloping your downtown, turning it into sort of an old-fashioned type of place where you go and you eat, you, you, you can shop, you socialize, you have these big events in the city, and I see a lot of promise. Talk about what how that change began and where you are today with your downtown hub. Well, I I think, Ryan, we are living in the heyday of downtown Salisbury. We romanticize the great places of America because we experience things like great strolls, you know, walks down streets, uh, great experiences sitting in parks and on plazas and on lawns and and, and those things are critical. As, as you know, and as your, your listeners probably don't, but uh, I, I'm an urban designer and, art, and an architect by training. My background is in uh, you know, planning places like great downtowns. And Salisbury, we, we once had a great downtown. We had a thriving downtown. And like virtually every other city in America, we abandoned it. We, we let it go, and we said, um, you know, we <laughs> – prefer the convenience of the, the car and the shopping mall and the large parking lot. And, and we supported those spaces and it caused the decline of our downtown. But uh, six or seven years ago, a process began and life began breathing back into downtown. And that began with two critical things. One was uh, a community based planning process where we engaged over 2,500 residents in Salisbury in a downtown master planning process. 
Um, and the second is our third Friday, which is a recurring uh, downtown festival every third Friday. And these aren't unique. These are things that many other cities do, and, uh, and they do well. And ours have just become very successful and uh, well attended. And that rhythm that, as, as our arts and entertainment director, Jamie Heater, would say, our, our time in a place um, is, is successful. People come out for it. Nobody wants to miss it. And even if it rains and nobody comes out and nobody's standing on our plaza, the parking lots are full and people are in the restaurants. So we went from a place that had uh, could not sustain more than two or three restaurants at a time to a place that now has 21 restaurants and bars in downtown to a place that has, uh, you know, you walk the streets in the middle of construction, because, oh, by the way, we've got a $13.1 million rebuild of our main street, replacing every pipe, every sidewalk, every you know inch of asphalt, um, and laying fiber, uh, Maryland's fastest internet, uh, down our yep. city streets. Um, that, that process is ongoing. And, oh, by the way, it is aggravating to deal with construction on your main street for four years. It is in fact, sometimes more than aggravating. It is uh, debilitating to small business, but yet they survive and they keep pushing. And we're at a place where tonight, you know, people walk down the street and you've got crowds. You've, you've got literal crowds. My campaign manager came in the door tonight and said, I couldn't believe it. It's a Monday night and 25 people walked past me in one block. And this is just not the same city that I moved to four years ago. And, and that message, um, a message that we're hearing, not one that we're putting out, but one that we're hearing, is, is one that is giving me hope that we are headed in the right direction and that we, I, we need to keep pushing. Well, I should give a shout-out to Dan O'Hare, your campaign manager, who is universally known and respected in the city of Salisbury. And I'm glad to see that when you do walk downtown, you're seeing a lot of innovative thought leaders and the pet projects that are coming to fruition. You're rebuilding the very famous POW building, which I've known about. And look, Jake, I'm following some of the stories and the economic resurgence. I'm looking at a a, a cool story about welcoming a, a kid-friendly business. It's called Main Street Kids. And last right. Monday, you're, you're posing um, at a looks like a press conference in front of their sign, and mm -hmm. you talk to their CEO Bobby White. And look, these are innovative ideas, businesses that you want to locate downtown, and you're, they're all part of the the culture um, and sort of that burgeoning attitude that downtown is the place where we're going to go and engage in commerce or do business and bring children. And that's part of the restructuring of a city's urban core and businesses are locating there. I see that uh, another business recently located there called team auto uh, in the corporate and yeah. uh, the, to their corporate headquarters. Um, so you have some really unique things uh, in the form of commerce taking place. And look, I think I, I, I was born and raised in Hagerstown. And, you know, Jake, mm. Hagerstown is struggling to figure out who it wants to be and the environment that it wants to be and what what the theme of the downtown area 
is. And so you move yeah. you move thirty minutes to east, you go down to Frederick, and you know as mm-hmm. well as I do, Jake Frederick City, it's another place that was reborn and rebirthed yes. into a a pretty cool place to live. There's people, young guys like us and their families are wanting to move downtown into these uh, these Maryland cities and um, Salisbury is no different. Jake, let's let's quickly talk over to or bounce over to um, some uh, public safety issues. Always a big issue in any municipality is how you keep your your residents safe. And of course, you mentioned earlier in the show about the decreasing crime. Talk about that. What what was the uh, what was the process to reduce crime and and where are you guys today? Yeah. Well, Ryan, I want to I want to just go back to your comments there for one second, if I can, on sure. Frederick and Hagerstown, because, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I've got the answers for for everything. But but I do want to I do want to point this out that here's the difference between a, a Hagerstown and Salisbury and a Frederick, um, you know, Hagerstown. And, and I'm also not going to pretend that I've got my finger on the pulse or I totally understand the zeitgeist of of Hagerstown right now, but but I do know this. They're, they're, they're certainly doing some things right, and uh, the Maryland Theater and the University of Maryland campus investment yeah. and the the, uh, the Heritage Trail, like the cultural trail and the, the public art. There's, there's some really, like, special, you know, and, and I mean world-class special things happening in Hagerstown. They, but but that's not that's not all a city needs. Here is here's the critical thing. What I can say about Frederick is they simply didn't deviate from their course for decades. And and people think this stuff happens overnight when they hear about a city, when they hear about an Asheville or a Frederick or an Annapolis or a a, a, a Greenville, South Carolina or a Chattanooga. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's because for 30 years they did the same thing. 30 years they said, this is what we're going to do and we're going to stay on course. A Salisbury, admittedly, and, and my guess is a Hagerstown, you know, we stay on course for a couple of years and then, you know, political winds start to shift. And so we steer the other way. We say, oh, we spent too much time, too much money on downtown. Let's do something else for a little bit and let's steer this way and let's steer that way. And we succumb to those political winds, those, those shifts. And, and that's what gets us off course. And the Fredericks, the thing we, that we're not realizing is that the Fredericks of the world, they don't necessarily have and, – and again, they've got certain ingredients that are special, but, but they're not necessarily that different. They just right. were willing to commit. They were willing to commit, and they stuck to it, and that's what's to be honored. And if we can, if we can model ourselves after that and not get off course and, – and, and I realize I'm facing an election tomorrow. If we can stay on course right. for, for more than four, eight, 12 years, but for a, a, a couple of decades, I'm telling you, that's how a city turns around. I I but think that you're safety, onto something there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so on public safety, I don't I don't want to take uh, too much credit here because I, I really have to credit my predecessor uh, Jim Ireton for making what I think was the most important hire in city history. At the depths of the recession, 2009, uh, to early, late 2009, early 2010, he hired a woman named Barbara Duncan, and Chief Duncan um, came into Salisbury and. Um, has been has led a steady decline in crime over the last 10 years, 43% decline in crime in 10 years. Um, the, the FBI always warned you, do not 
uh, do not listen to rankings. Don't don't uh, listen to rankings that use UCR data. But Americans love rankings. We just absolutely are obsessed with the rankings. So I'm gonna you know I'm gonna fall into that same trap and tell you that uh, in in 2009 we had the fourth highest Part One crime rate per capita in America, and uh, Baltimore I think was number two that year. We were we were very close together. So while we were, while we were second in the state, we weren't even number one in the state. We were number four in America, which is a really bad place to be. And that's a list that we've been able to get ourselves off of. Uh, ADT has reported that we had the fastest dropping crime rate in uh, from 2007 to 2017 in the country. And uh, we're, we're pretty proud of all of that. You know, we've had no, no homicides in 2019. Cities our size across Maryland have had you know five, ten, fifteen in some cases homicides, so we're we're in a pretty good place as a city, um, but that doesn't mean you know there is no crime. And what I recognize, and what what my opponent has recognized, and and folks who are looking for political opportunity, is that every crime, every single one, every every burglary or every robbery or every assault or every theft has a ripple effect and it affects not just the person who is victimized but their family their friends their neighbors everybody who hears about it everybody who goes to school with that person or works with that person they're all victimized to some extent because they become more fearful of their community and social media amplifies that and we talk about it more now than we used to and so i think today it's a lot easier to say well i don't care what the statistics say I feel less safe, and that feeling of, of, of not being safe is something that we're directly trying to tackle as well, and, and we get there by building trust in our police department. We get there by building community relationships, and Chief Duncan has been an absolute expert at building those relationships and building trust. She's transparent. She's honest. She is, uh, she is somebody who it will, will sit in front of a crowd and not share her opinion, but just like consume information and consume concerns and ideas and fears and anger from a crowd for hours on end uh, and, and slowly build trust with them. Um, and, and also will methodically tackle a problem that's affecting a neighborhood or a business or a part of our community. And, and I've learned a lot from her because of that. Um, at the same time, there's, I think, always a healthy tension between, and, and I bring a little bit of experience in this from uh, my, my time in the military, but uh, there, there is a healthy tension between a commander and their troops. You know, the troops are the dog on a leash, right? They, they say, look, let us go fix this. Let us go handle this. And the commander's got a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of experience to say, I, I know you can. I know you can, but listen to me. I need you to put on softer gloves here. I need you to I need you to walk carefully over here. I need you to head this way instead of that way. And and that sort of experience and that dance between, you know, the the rank and file and the command leadership our chief has I think led to a moment where we've got a a, a premier police department. Uh we have gone 4 years without uh, an embarrassing lawsuit. We're a city that had uh, half a dozen in the year before I became mayor. Uh, we're we're a department that has not had a single police officer leave in two years, and that's rare in America these days. Because frankly, 
lot of police officers don't want to be on this job anymore. It's tough yeah. to be a police officer in America. So yeah. all those things have contributed, I think, to uh, uh, an environment where crime can decline. And uh, and there are some wonkier answers than that. I'm, I know I'm giving you the the soft and gentle, but but there there are also tools that we've put into place. Uh, body cameras help, I think. Um, you know, l- less lethal devices help. And and one of the tools that I'm really proud of is we installed something. We we implemented something called predictive policing. Predictive policing yep. is a, a tool out of New York that we've used, and we're re- about to replace that with. A, uh, a program, an AI program that is uh, uh, doing a better job right now predicting what crimes might happen in a neighborhood than even PredPol. It's, it's, it's all about technology, too. And you mentioned one vital piece of technology. It. I, I got to tell you, the, yeah, the value that body camera at body cameras add, especially with police officers, is not only beneficial to civilians, but to the police force who get an accurate depiction of every incident when that camera is turned on. Uh, Jake, I, I want to, you know, look, you're an elected official. You're you're probably following what's happening even around the state, and you you're very well tuned in to other jurisdictions. Just yesterday, the governor weighed in on my our county executive's decision to um, essentially ban a um, what's called the thin blue line flag, which is a a flag in support of that was created in support of law enforcement and first responders. And this last week, the um, a father and a young son presented a thin blue line flag to District Five of Montgomery County Police over in Germantown. And long story short, the county executive said it's 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 divisive. You can't use it. And the governor weighed in yesterday. Would would that be something that if it you know a similar situation occurred in Salisbury, would you be comfortable? Would you would you be okay with having you know a flag like that displayed in one of your police stations? Ryan, I I guess I'm um, I don't want to say I'm a paradox, but um, that might be the best word for it. Uh, you know, I, at once I totally understand how, for some people, the um, the phraseology of "Blue Lives Matter" and "Thin Blue Line" feels like a rejection of the humanity that people were seeking in the whole Black Lives Matter discussion, right? Absolutely. Um, and and in and in that and 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 that humanity has been. Um, victimized over and over again in our country. And Executive Elrich was probably trying to acknowledge that. But at the same time, you know, on, on my left arm, on my left tricep, I have a, a large tattoo of a bull with a yeah. thin blue line flag on it for Good guy. my fellow uh, public servant, uh, a police officer here in Salisbury, our downtown bike cop who uh, lost his life to suicide last yeah. year, um, literally uh, 350 days ago. Uh, yeah. You know, this is, this is a person who's part of my life, part of our community, one of my closest friends, and how I chose to personally memorialize him was – you know, through through that particular act, and 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 that's just you know again that's that's personal, but but you know in embedded in that 
bull shape is a thin blue line flag. And yeah. am, am, am I through that act rejecting the humanity of those people who felt as if their, um, you know, their value in life was being questioned by those empowered with law enforcement? Um, and no, no, I, lo- I love all people. And I hope that that symbol can be seen for what it is. And I'd like to think that the simple gesture of that father and son wanting to honor uh, you know, public servants, wanting to honor people that put their life on the line to protect us, the very best of what police officers do, um, I'd, I'd like to think that that could simply be accepted and honored, and you don't have to make it anything more than that. I I think that your your position on that is astute and practical, and hopefully this leads to a conversation or this encourages dialogue outside of partisanship or whatever. But this encourages an increasing increasing need for citizens and police to talk to one another, to understand one another, and to engage on a new level so that we avoid confrontations, we avoid a reactionary situations. And I, um, I'm, I'm hoping that that occurs. All right, Jake. So Jake, um, you got to get back to work. It's going to be a late night for you. I know that <laughs> it's going to be a late night tomorrow, and it's probably going to be an early morning because if you are of any campaigner worth their, uh, their snuff mayor day is up <laughs> early on election day, putting up signs at various polling locations. Four o'clock, so, Ryan. Four a.m. Yeah, you are no, um, you're not immune from that. So I am going to, I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to say, Jake, give us and the voters of Salisbury, of course, that final pitch. The last four years, I think we promised that we would restore prosperity to Salisbury. And while the numbers meet out that we've done that, the most important thing that we've done is we've restored pride to Salisbury. And so I say to every voter of Salisbury listening, and anyone who knows a Salisburyan and is willing to make a phone call or a text tonight or tomorrow to a Salisbury voter, I would say four more years, we can do a whole lot more. So I'd love to have your vote. I'd love to have your support. I'd appreciate either. Mayor Jake That's Day running time. for – well, Mayor Jake Day running for re-election for Mayor of Salisbury – I appreciate your time. I know that it was it was hectic and last minute, but Jake, you have always made time to to come on and chat. And I I appreciate the job that you and your council do on the daily lo- local government, municipal government is not always the most sexy work, but it is certainly important work, and it, it matters to constituents who look they believe in their their communities. And America, what are we made up of? Of we're made up of small towns and small and large cities that make up the fabric and core of Americans and Salisbury is certainly no different. And I, I appreciate Amen. and respect all that you have done for your city as mayor. And tomorrow I, um, I'm looking forward and I will be anxious to see the results come in. And Jake, you have a open invitation to join this show at any time to talk about what's happening in your community. So Thank you. Best of luck to you tomorrow. And once again, um, thanks for coming on tonight. Ryan, I, I appreciate the platform and you have an open invitation to 
uh, join me at Planet Fitness Salisbury anytime you want. All right. <laughs> hey man, we'll work out and then uh, <laughs> right, and then we'll hit up uh, Evo after that and just ruin our workout. Now, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Sounds like a All plan, right, my friend. Jake, Thank have you. a great night and uh, good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. Good night, Ryan. You bet. Mayor Jake Day, Salisbury's mayor, running for his second term. The election will be held tomorrow. Find your polling spot and go out and vote. That's all I have for you tonight. My name is Ryan Miner. I host this podcast. Find me on the web at aminordetail.com and where we cover Maryland news and politics and hopefully the latest in breaking that's out there. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a happy and productive week. You can subscribe to a Minor Detail podcast on iTunes, CastBox, Overcast, or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like a Minor Detail podcast on Facebook and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring a Minor Detail podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at a minor detail.com. Thanks so much for listening.